Вы смотрите слишком много фильмов. Welcome to You Should Watch This Documentary. A podcast about documentaries. Obviously. With your hosts, Adam Todd Brown and Jess McDonald. Welcome to a documentary podcast. That is yet to be named. We're good at that around these parts, <laughs> just starting podcasts without naming them first. <laughs> Me and Chet's monthly podcast didn't have a name. Me and Danger's monthly podcast didn't have a name. They do now, right? Nope. Oh, okay. Well, so... We call them all Puppy. <laughs> we have a bunch of podcasts called Puppy. <laughs> That's a little weird. So Puppy is out for the name of this yeah, podcast? Yeah, yeah. All, all the way out. That's unfair. <laughs> this is exciting, though. I've wanted to do a documentary podcast for a long time, and I just I, I teased it on the show maybe a month ago. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, I had never really found anyone to do it with because I have so many hosts who do so many other things. And then you messaged and said, you should definitely do that documentary podcast. <laughs> and I said, okay, let's. And I don't know if that's what you meant, but here we are. It wasn't necessarily, but this worked out pretty well, I would say. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy. Because you're a big fan of documentaries, you Yes, said. yes. I really like uh, drinking wine and watching them across the country with my friend Brielle. Oh, we should do a podcast about drinking wine and watching documentaries. <laughs> that would be so cool. We'll call it White Wine Documentary Time. I feel like we would be stealing from someone else you, uh, you work with. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. We'll talk it over. Okay, yeah. Well, we'll think about so, it. So, yeah, we're, we probably won't do too many true crime documentaries on no, this. No. Because we don't want to infringe on Caitlin and Carrie's territory. Which is kind of too bad, though, because the, the true crime ones are sort of the best most of the time. Yeah. yeah. So if you're listening to this podcast, go listen to Caitlin and Carrie's instead. <laughs> uh, no, but actually listen to ours, too, please. They cover the good documentaries. <laughs> no, there's still, without true crime, there's still... A lot of ground to cover when it comes to documentaries, and we're not drinking wine. <laughs> not right we're now. We're completely sober. <laughs> Yay. Because it's the middle of the day, <laughs> and it's a day I'm not drinking in the middle of the day. And I had to drive here. So uh, when did you get into watching documentaries? Probably college. Yeah. Well, yeah, I would say college, because I had two professors I was really close with who uh, would recommend them to me, and I took everything they said very seriously, so I watched pretty much everyone that they... Oh, told yeah. Me to watch. Yeah. What's your, off the top of your head, what's your favorite documentary? I don't know if it's actually my favorite, but we were just talking about it. So I'd say Misrepresentation. Yeah, that's a really good one. Yeah. And I think that was the first one that my professor told me to watch because she was like, this will, this will get you upset and uh, help you a lot at the same time. Yeah. That's a tense documentary. Oh, yeah. It's very upsetting. Oh, yeah. uh, I think my favorite would probably be There's Something Wrong with Aunt Diane. I will go home and watch that. It, I believe there's a pretty scary episode about it. This real, this podcast is really just one long plug for pretty scary. <laughs> uh, but they did a, I believe they did an episode about that. It's about a woman who was leaving a family function and driving a bunch of the kids home. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I did see that. Yeah, yeah. That is intense. It's so that family is just so disturbing. Yeah, like their their insistence on her not having been drunk when there was still like unprocessed alcohol in her stomach right like i don't damn people let it 
go. Yeah, yeah. That uh, people are gross. Uh, that yeah, people are gross. And that's that's kind of the theme of the documentary we're talking about today. Oh yes, yes, yes. It's called "To Be a Miss." I watched it for the first time a few months ago. I don't remember exactly when, but it's about Venezuela and their dominance in the beauty pageant industry. But not, I mean, not just dominance, obviously, but like the background and the the country's history with beauty pageants. And holy shit, are they into it? Oh yeah. Oh, like neck deep into drowning in it. They're drowning in it. They are. Yeah. It follows three girls named. Do you, hey, do you want to take the names? <laughs> I told you it's going to be really white when I say it. Go for uh, it. Bethany. Uh, <laughs> I can't see her last name. Uh, Davila. Davia. Oh. Um, they were at the top too. Here they go. <laughs> um, Merla. Mirla. Uh, I'm not going to try. Merla. Mirla Gian. Yeah. There we go. And Kiara. Varus. Yeah, Varus. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to bur- butcher this. Like, I feel bad. And Bethania Davila. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it covers kind of their journey through the pageant system in Venezuela, which is a vast... It, it's kind of like their professional sports. Yeah. It's literally their professional sports. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's the thing you can do. You can legitimately work your way up from out of poverty but it's also at the same time like winning the lottery right like most people are gonna fall short right and then they're all like siphoning all of their money into something to hope that they could eventually win it and it's like i don't know it's crazy it is and they don't have a lot of money to start with like none of the girls had any money to start with no no the country doesn't have much money i mean it did for a while it was a pretty rich country up until a few years ago but the pageants are still going strong, and that yeah. country has fallen apart. Let's talk about the opening scene. What What did you think about that? The opening scene: Bethany Davila, Bethania Davila, uh, is on her way to the gym. Uh, it made me want to cry and throw my laptop. It's just so sad. She's this perfect little like what? She's seventeen, I think, yeah, or, 17. or younger. Um, she's seventeen years old, and she's tiny it's tiny little girl is told that she needs to lose 17 to 22 pounds yeah and she's talking about how her friends are mad at her because she doesn't eat and she goes to the gym two times a day well girl that's why they're your friends that (laughs) is why they're your friends like what are you doing being good friends (laughs) dummy right like they're giving like they're trying to help you while this industry is trying to give you an eating disorder yeah or did give you an eating disorder because yeah, when when I saw her walking into the gym, I was like, "Oh wow, she's in really great shape." Right. It's cool that she's this committed to it, and then she's like, "I gotta lose seventeen pounds," and I'm like, "You'll die." Yeah, she'll literally You'll die. Die, and she does by the end of it lose like thirteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're still like, "Oh, you need to lose like five to ten yeah. more pounds." And it's like, "No, stop." She's so small. Yeah, she's so teeny tiny. I don't know how her legs don't snap when she's walking on high heels. Like, I don't understand. Yeah, she said the. Uh, the diets and exercise are rigorous. I have to go to the gym twice a day. In the morning, I go for two hours, and in the afternoon, for three. Holy fuck. Like, I wish I was that dedicated in some I can't ways. even walk for 30 minutes every morning <laughs> without it just ruining my week. <laughs> and, and yeah, they, none of the, a lot of these families don't have money. But there's another scene where we see Bethania in her bedroom, 
And she says, I'm addicted to high heels. I have 40 or 50 pairs. It's like, God damn. And they're nice high heels, too. Like, those look good. They're not yeah. from Payless. Like, they look good. Yeah. They are whatever the good shoe brand in Venezuela is. Yeah. So the one of the other... Let's go through the, the main characters first. We just talked about Bethania. She's 17 years old. All of the, the main... Is characters the right word? That doesn't feel like the right word I, for this. The, the I don't know. The main ladies, like <laughs> the main pe- like, participants. Yeah, main participants could work because that's what they are. Uh, yeah, documentees. The, the uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, the next one we see is Mirla Gian. She's twenty-five years old, and here's this will sound shitty. But as this, she's beautiful. She is stunning. But as soon as I saw her, I was like, she's the one who's been doing it too long. Yeah. No. Yeah. And she is. She's the one who's like really in every, every documentary that's about pageants or anything of this nature. There's always that one girl who you're like. Get a real job. Yeah. Like, you know, not, yeah, definitely. It's not, it's not going to pan out. Yeah, because you, that's she already life. put her whole life into it. She's about, she's my age. Like, yeah. I wouldn't try to go do pageants ever. I wouldn't try to do pageants. But, like, if I was going to do it, I would have done it, like, six years ago. Yeah. It, it's like being just good enough to miss the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that would be, you're still obviously one of the best figure skaters in the world. I don't know why I went to figure skating. It's my favorite <laughs> Olympic sport. <laughs> But just not good enough to yeah. get to the top. That would be so frustrating. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I'm surprised she didn't have like a breakdown scene, like a real breakdown. Yeah. that All of these girls were really pretty cool about yeah, what was happening. And I think it's because pageants are such a pervasive thing there. Yeah. Like it really is, like I said, they're professional sports. Like people celebrate it. People, like it makes the newspapers. There's... The annual Miss Venezuela pageant is broadcast in more than 20 countries, attracts thousands of participants, and the selection process involves a series of regional castings and qualifying contests. And people eat this shit up. Oh, yeah, it's huge. Yeah. Absolutely huge. Like, we think of pageants now as probably kind of a dying thing. Like, the Miss USA pageant just happened, which was kind of why I picked this episode. But no one gives a shit no the only time anyone cares is when one of those contestants says something insane (laughs) like the the woman this time who was like healthcare is a privilege yeah jesus ease up lady and i i haven't watched it in years since like uh, who was it miss california when the i can't remember what her name was but she was like pro weed and stuff like that and i I remember i remember watching that one and being like yeah that's my girl i like her yeah (laughs) Did she win? I think she did. Nice. Uh, she either won or she was like runner up. I can't. I. I don't know. I didn't put a lot of stock into it. She was more relaxed than everyone else, <laughs> for sure. Didn't have those nerves. <laughs> so what? I one of the things I thought was really interesting about this is it didn't just cover the pageant industry, but it covered how pageants came to be such a huge thing. And there was a there was a care. <laughs> <laughs> There's a woman in the uh, documentary named Nahirana Zambrano from the University of the Andes, and she talks about how pageants became such a thing in Venezuela, and it's 
pretty fascinating. Uh, what she says is that it's basically Venezuela's first experiment with democracy. Which could explain why it's still so huge. Right, yeah. right. And in the 1940s, they were under a dictatorship, and they had this international baseball series that was coming to the country. And the people voted on who would be the beauty queen for that baseball event. And there was there were two women, Oli Clemente and Yolanda Leal. And Oli Clemente was from the upper class. Yolanda Leal was from the lower classes. And as I've affectionately nicknamed her, low class Yolanda won, <laughs> right? Oh, that's messed up. <laughs> but she did. She did win. And that was the pe- that she was considered like the candidate for the people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, which is why she won. Right. Yeah. And you could understand why if you're under the thumb of a brutal dictatorship, I imagine just getting to vote on anything. Yeah. would feel kind of good. Oh, absolutely. And then it's a it's a Cinderella story that like makes everybody in the country feel good because she came from being low class and gets to rise up to be the queen of the nation like Right. So yeah, it it I mean it, it makes sense in that that's where this passion for beauty pageants and just beauty in general became such a thing in Venezuela. One thing that did bother me at one point they go into this thing about how Perez Jimenez was in power and how the progress of the country like public works and the highway system went hand in hand with pageants and then they never explain that. Yeah, I They just let I was like, "Oh, I want to hear this." And then it just like dropped. Right yeah, there. and then it's just some jeweler making a crown. Right, but like so like what's the correlation? Like how do those two things come together? Right, I right. want to know why. Maybe I need to rewatch it again, but I f- I feel like I rewound it and tried <laughs> tried to see where that part was going because it sounds super interesting. Right, but it was used as more like backup information, but it needed its own backing up. Right, right. Yeah, it 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 was super strange. But uh, so the, these after that first uh, Queen of the People pageant, the Miss Venezuela pageant became a really big thing around World War II. They began right after World War II. And f- ever since then, they've been a huge source of national pride. Miss Venezuela won uh, the, her, the first international pageant won by uh, Miss Venezuela was in 1955. And ever since then... It just kind of dominates the country to the point that I, I thought this was really interesting. Venezuela is the largest per capita consumer of cosmetics in the world. Which I, I never would have guessed that off no. the top of my head. Like that, I just wouldn't have. But it makes sense watching this. It really does. Yeah. One fifth of the average Venezuelan woman's income is spent on cosmetics, which. Yeah. Wow. Damn. I I don't spend that much. I still have the same like mascara that I had a year ago, which I don't think is healthy, but that's what I have. I mean, a fifth is a lot. Yeah, that's I don't think I even spend that on weed. (laughs) I probably don't spend it on food. (laughs) It's all rent. Yep. But it pays off. They've won over the past 60 years. They've won more international beauty pageants than any other country. And you mentioned uh, one of the characters, because one of the things... There's so many characters to cover. You mentioned one of your favorite characters was the uh, professor, Jesse Blanco, at the Central University of Venezuela. She's the one who has been trying 
one of the few people speaking out and trying to shut this down. Well, yeah, because she's trying to, like, when she's in the room and she's talking to all the women, she's talking to them about how they're more than just their face. They're they're intelligent beings. And by having this institution, it's holding all of the women down and holding them back and keeping them from realizing the actual problems in the world and what they could actually amount to. Right. Yeah, and she's right, 100% correct. And I don't know if it's just the way they edited that scene, but some of the looks (laughs) she was getting from the girls who were listening to her, they were like, what are you talking about? Oh yeah, they looked from like irritated to like despondent. Yeah, like that's that's the over overall looks in in the classroom. Like nobody believed what she was saying. Yeah, I don't think anybody looked like they believed. No, and even then, it's such a such a pervasive thing in Venezuela. Even when I was watching that scene, there were a couple girls. I was like, "Well, you could probably be in a pageant though if you want to." <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah. Well, she take could those too. glasses off like in the movies, <laughs> and you're halfway there. <laughs> No, the uh, J- Jesse herself could have been in, in the pageant. Yeah, she's she's yeah. a beautiful woman, and she's still like, no, but I'm not just my face. Yeah. Yeah, she had a, a quote, these crowns that have been given to Osmel Souza, who we'll get to shortly, have made us women lose our heads. That's yeah. intense. Yeah, she's not wrong, though. Yeah. So so she's uh, she shows up throughout the documentary as kind of the, the anti-pageant force, which... As this goes on, like at first, this doesn't make like you hear the, oh, they have to lose a bunch of weight. And you're like, okay, well, that's every pageant. And it doesn't seem terrible at first. But this is one of those documentaries where once it starts going bad, like everything goes bad. Yeah, like it hooks you in being darker and darker and darker. Yeah, and it starts with her. I feel like she she's like when she starts talking, you start to be like, oh, this is this is getting weird. And then and then it's just like derails. (laughs) It gets really weird. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, even the woman who was giving the the rundown of the history of it, I was like, well, that sounds kind of cool. Right. It was kind of positive even. Yeah. Yeah. But then she comes back later. And she's like, well, also the government uses these pageants to put out this persona to the rest of the world of Venezuela as a really rich and beautiful place. And then meanwhile, people are dragging animal carcasses through the streets because there's no food. Yeah. And it's, ugh. Yeah. And I didn't expect her to come out with with some dark stuff either. I thought she was all for it when she first started talking about the history. And then as soon as she brings that up, I was like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. She brings up something that's really kind of a running theme through this is plastic surgery and how insanely common plastic surgery is in Venezuela. And she talks about how in the 80s, the pageant was bought out by this huge corporation that has just kind of built this machine where it's just cycling girls through these uh, this like gauntlet of plastic surgeons and just draining money from people. Oh yeah, and there the um the what was it the final round where they're deciding who's going to get to go to the mansion to even get the plastic surgeries is held at a plastic surgery place. Right. They go right. in and the the girls are all standing in a row and this this doctor who doesn't look that great himself, okay? Yeah. But he's he's in there tell like just like listing off names and be like, "Okay, well, your dreams are crushed. You need to leave." Yeah. But yeah. he like he's the the final say because he sees what he can work with. Yeah. Yeah. Which is gross. Yeah. He was gross. Yeah, there was there's so so much to to dig through. What was the like the key scene for you or the most either the saddest or 
Oh, the saddest scene. What was the uh, the girl's name? I can't I can't remember. But she was talking about her best friend, um, the one who who died from oh, plastic yeah. surgery. The girl who I don't remember they, if they told us her name, but I she, think they might not have said her name. Yeah, um, she looked like Corey Feldman. Yeah. Just, just just an observation. <laughs> just an observation. Um, but that that broke my heart because it's just this her her best friend's just left in the wake of this just just so hurt and she's talking about how the the headlines that came out talk about how basically this girl's vanity is what killed her when it's really the institution that failed her that right. killed her but it i don't know that it it hurt it hurt yeah. a lot yeah, that was a tough story. It's it's about she talks about a girl who got into the pageant industry in Venezuela and had like her first surgery at 15. Yep. And then just like like they said in the headlines got addicted to it, but it wasn't so much that as just having all of these voices around her saying, "Hey, fix this." Fix this, fix this. Right, like she probably wouldn't have come up with those ideas on her own. I'm sure it was the people, like whatever modeling agency she was at or whatever, probably told her. Yeah. And it, I, uh, I remember her telling the first part of that story and she doesn't really conclude it. And I'm like, did she die? And then they cut to a wide shot of her and she's wearing a shirt that says guess. And I'm like, I bet she did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I will guess and I bet she did. Yeah, die. yeah. And she did. Yeah. She did. Yeah. It was that. That was just heartbreaking. That that was a scene where they were really hitting on cosmetic surgery, yeah. which is, like I said, it's such a huge part of this. They never really showed the picture of the girl who died. The like the girl in question. There was like they showed the the one picture of the like like headline, but they didn't really show like before and after pictures, anything like yeah. that. Yeah. But I thought it was kind of cool because it made it so that could be anybody's best friend who's left behind from this. Yeah. Like, it made her more of just, like, this could be any one of these girls. Yeah. Yeah, they, they talk a lot about... Uh, plastic surgery. Plastic surgery. There's there's one scene in particular... We'll come back to this guy at one point, because he's my least favorite uh, participant <laughs> in this. But there's a scene where Mirla and Kiera get selected to go to the casting for Miss Midwest, which who knew the Midwest was so huge in Venezuela, <laughs> am I right? My hometown represent. I wonder I wonder which Venezuelan woman is Miss Illinois. <laughs> I want to know that. But they go to the Miss Midwest casting and it's in this creepy I don't think it was in the Miss Venezuela mansion, which we will talk about, which is also creepy as fuck. Yeah. But they they take them to this building, and every part of the building is somewhere where they just have to stand and be judged. Yep. Whether they're walking around and ha- and it's all their bodies, like they it's almost like how American Idol used to let thousands of people audition, but the producers would see like a fraction of that. Yep. And then they would just have waves of people coming in and people going, "Nope, you're awful. You're awful. Your hips are too big." <laughs> And that's like the first thing. They cycle this big group of women through this main, like it looks like like where you would execute political prisoners. No, absolutely. That it's was like so a weird. Concrete backyard. Who don't have that? Don't have <laughs> don't have a concrete backyard. Nobody wants fucking mow a lawn or something. Put some rocks down. But they have this big concrete area where they they cycle them all through. And then uh, the girls who get picked there have to go stand in a hallway where someone else decides if they get to go in and talk to that creepy doctor yep. you mentioned yeah. before. And this guy named Hota Santa Maria 
is their escort for this. He works for a modeling agency, and he is my least favorite He's awful. person yeah. in this whole thing. He First of all, uh, Mirla and Kiara both, not to give too much away, there's so much in this documentary, we couldn't possibly give it all away. But uh, <laughs> when they're in the doctor's office, first Mirla, he, he looks at her and goes, you're Mirla? And I was like, oh, she's making it through just because of the documentary. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that happened with the next girl, too, though. Yeah, the next girl makes it, too. They both make it. And then they they cut to Mirla talking about what it's going to take next. $1,500 to enroll and $4,600 in plastic surgery. And keep in mind, she's beautiful. Yep. Yeah. Gorgeous. Right. $4,600 in plastic surgery. Like, on what? Yeah. On what? Yeah, they actually, they they show a scene a, a little bit after this with Kiera's mom, who had already taken a job at like some ice cream shop yeah. to pay for all of the pageant stuff so far. And she was like, it's great she made it. Don't know how we're going to pay for all that, though. <laughs> yeah. And it's so fun. Like, it's such a drain on people. That's kind of the overall theme of this documentary, I think, is that this thing that people see as kind of a big source of pride in Venezuela is actually just a drain on generations and generations of people, especially girls, yep. obviously, yep. but families in general who have to come up with the money to try and pay for this because it's almost mandatory. Yeah. It's like you have to have a pretty girl in a pageant. Right. It's insane. Yeah. I don't understand it at all. And so that they... uh there's something else I wanted to get to, but let's let's finish the Hota Santa Maria, this motherfucker. So he at one point takes Mirla to go talk to a potential sponsor. And this is, I think, I think it's the most troubling scene. It was so gross. Yeah. It was he was like auctioning her off he to this guy. He did auction he, her off. Yeah. He be, apparently what they what they do is for girls who can't come up with this money, which I'm imagining is most of them, they find sponsors who who pay their enrollment fees and for all their surgeries. Which seems normal at first, sort of. Yeah. It's like, hey, my kid's in a pageant. Do you want to help sponsor? Like, that's cool. Right. But no, Hota Santa Maria takes this girl to visit with some guy who looks like he just owns like a printing company. Yeah. Like he's just a dude. And he's selling this guy on all the merits of her as a potential pageant contestant. Mainly that she's single. Yeah, well, he he goes through all that, and then the guy is like, uh, so are we going to talk in private? Because these cameras are making me nervous. Mm -hmm. And they take the cameras out, but they leave their microphones on. Right. And like you said, he's basically like, well, uh, she's a girl who makes you want to support her. She will answer your phone calls. She's single. She likes to party. I asked her to stay through the weekend. Maybe you can have dinner tonight. Uh, And next thing you know, he's paying for everything. Right. And it's like the look on her face is like, fuck. Uh, Like that. That was, I think, the darkest. Yeah, it was so gross. Like, so not only does she have to get all this plastic surgery, but she's also an escort now. It just made me wonder how much of that there is. Because this isn't a country where everyone can afford 
that kind of thing. I would assume it's fairly commonplace, to be honest. Like, I, I know we're not supposed to assume things and everything, but that was in there for a reason. And I think yeah. it's because it happens a lot. Yeah, she's, I'm assuming, not the only girl with a sponsor. Yeah. So so that was terrifying. One of the One of the cutest scenes that did also make me think of how people afford this is do you remember the scene where there's just the there's the family at a they're at a a pageant and it's the mom and she's got her daughter and then there's a dude in the military outfit and I was like oh well that's how they afford it he intercepts imported food and resells it to poor people at an inflated price to make money uh, so that that that's how they're getting by. But do you remember this girl? She was she was, was she the little teeny tiny yeah. girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was so cute because there's this scene where like she's just talking. They're just talking about pageants and the girl in pageants. It's not that remarkable of a scene, but then she starts giving this speech. Yeah, in Spanish, but in English it was today, my friends. The flora and fauna, gold, diamonds, and oil, are part of the natural and mineral beauty of my gorgeous country. And then they cut away. And as she's saying it, at first you can tell she's like, fine, I'll say it again. <laughs> and she like keeps getting more excited. And the girl behind her is like starting to get excited. And I'm like, how is this going to end? <laughs> and right after she says, my gorgeous country, they cut to her on stage and she goes, Venezuela! <laughs> and it's like, thank you for that cut. That would have been startling if she screamed that into the camera. But that was... At least one adorable part. It, it was adorable, but also she was like what three? Yeah, she was very young. <laughs> she was like it was. She was a toddler in a tiara. She doesn't even know what Venezuela is yet. Yeah, but she but she knew how to how to sell it. She she still knew. Yeah, that was during the mini Venezuela scene. Yeah, yeah. Which is mini Venezuela is an academy that gets them young, like three and four years old, and starts training them. Yeah. In beauty pageant Which the, stuff. The teacher of of at that academy, she was like, "Oh well, they're gonna be, they're gonna put on makeup, but they're still gonna wear little girls' clothes. Like they're still gonna have like a normal childhood." No, they're not. No, they're not. One of them won best body. Right. That's which, not. Little girls should not be talking about their bodies like that. I remember th- that scene. I was just like, "What?" <laughs> how, like I don't want to know how you decide what. Four to six-year-old girl has the best body. Well, whoever decided it should be in jail. Or better be a woman at least. Still in jail. <laughs> that seems fair. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was bad. Yeah, it, it was very bad. And you see kind of the, the poverty that these girls are living in. They show, especially Mirla, they show her bedroom sleeping situation yeah. where she shares a single bedroom with her two sisters and all of her pageant clothes and all that shit crammed into a little room. And then during that scene, I just thought this part, I don't know if it was funny, but she's flipping through a photo book and she goes, here's a picture of me. I actually like, and they don't even zoom in on it. (laughs) They just like stay out. Like people are going to wonder what that looked like. I bet it's like, throw her a bone, show the picture. She likes you fucking monsters. (laughs) Yeah, it was just a sea of faces. You couldn't have picked out which yeah. one she meant if you wanted to. It was like her high school yearbook. I imagine <laughs> they were like, mm, not our favorite. <laughs> Keep this one. Ugh. So we've talked a lot about Bethania and Mirla, but there's another another girl in this name, Kiara. Kiara Varis. 
She's two years younger than Mirla, but she looks like she's about 15 years younger. She looks like the youngest one in the bunch. Yeah. And she's very naturally beautiful. And you know that because she does the most winning, but she also has braces and kind of busted bangs. <laughs> like... <laughs> They're, they were kind of kind of weird. Yeah, no, they were bad. She had a bad haircut. She had Somebody weird, botched weird that. bangs. Yeah, but she still won a lot because she was super pretty. Yeah, but even then, like, there's but she a, had the yeah. Sorry. The, there's a point where she's like, yeah, they told me I have to fix my nose and make it point, and I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> no, sure, her nose is fine. You're fine. <laughs> oh, no, she had the she had the high, like most plastic surgery that needed to be done out of all of them. Yeah. And she's, but she's so pretty. Like I just. Super pretty. Super pretty. Like real, real yeah. cute. Yeah. There's a scene where I think it was Bethania was talking about one of her friends going to a casting and it was a casting for Osmel Souza, who we'll talk about next, who is, I think has started a cult basically. He's garbage. Yeah. He's, he's an awful person, but she was told, her friend was told that uh, she would need a lot of plastic surgery because she doesn't have the face Osmel likes. And then they cut to this shot of four girls who are all beautiful with all radically different faces. And I'm like, so which one of them has the face right. he likes? Because are the other three going to just get their faces made? Because they're all so pretty. Right. And it's just such a... But they definitely don't like diversity in their, in their no. prettiness. And I don't understand... And it's got to be just such a dehumanizing thing to just grow up being told there's one face that you should but, strive to have. But they all seem okay with it. Yeah, it's yeah, it, it's it's like North Korea kind of <laughs> where you see, you know, you see people who live in North Korea talk about North Korea and they're all just like, "Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> We're fine. We're fucking fine." <laughs> And that's kind of how these girls are, too. They're just like, yeah, I guess it's great. This is what we do here. This is our country. But it's so fucking harrowing to watch. Yeah, yeah. And Kiara, there's also uh, throughout this, there's there's a woman named Verushka Ramirez who was, she's kind of the the pro pageant side. She was like, I grew up, I was a, abandoned at nine. I was a housekeeper. Then I won Miss Venezuela. And it's like those... Like, that's what you hear from Republicans now. Yeah. It's like, well, she did it. Everyone should be able to do it. And it's like, you're making things worse, Verushka. <laughs> Significantly worse. Yeah. And she's also pretty far removed at this point because now she's an international model. So, like, she doesn't really speak for the people anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, But she even said uh, 70% of the contestants in these pageants get surgery. And she was against um, the young girls getting surgery. That was the one. Yeah. The one... 15 seems to be the age everyone worries about. Yeah. But like 17, 17 they're like, is still bad. Es cool. Yeah, no. It's, it's not, though. <laughs> it's not. No, like, you're not no done... S cool. No. <laughs> but like, you're not done No S cool, Venezuela. <laughs> no S cool. That's what we need to do. <laughs> Speak the language. So let's talk about Osmel Souza. This fucking creep. Everybody go Google Osmel Souza and let him stare into your soul for 35 <laughs> seconds. He is the president of the Miss Venezuela organization, and he runs the Miss Venezuela mansion. Jess, would you visit the Miss Venezuela mansion? No. It, no. 
for one thing, it was just in the middle of a neighborhood. Like it looked like where Scarface would live. <laughs> but it still said the Miss Venezuela mansion on it. It's like it looks like the Miss Venezuela three bedroom, two and a half bath. <laughs> like maybe that's a mansion in Venezuela. It but, might be. <laughs> yeah, it could be. But yeah, it's just set in the middle of a neighborhood. People like wave guns at you if you take pictures of it. And inside is this dude named Osmel Souza, who is this like cult leader type when it comes to beauty pageants in Venezuela. Yeah, he's the final say on everything. Yeah. He decides like you have to have the face he likes, like like the woman said earlier. Yep. And you know, he seems like a Hugh Hefner type, but like skeevier kind of. Yeah, I got nauseous when he as soon as he came on screen. Like he just doesn't sit right with me. Yeah. And he's he's that kind of guy that just like stares. Yeah. Like Yeah. And it's like a piercing stare. Yeah, too. like a he's got a cult leader stare. Yeah. Yeah. And he runs this organization kind of like a cult. Yeah, like well, yeah, they all buy into it for sure. They're drinking his Kool-Aid. Yeah, and it's, you know, it it's not it doesn't operate much different than any other cult. They're milking people for money. Yep. You have to do these things to progress in the system. It's absolutely like a cult. And I, I didn't know any of this about Venezuela. Me neither. Like I had, I had no clue, but I mean, it, 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 it kind of, kind of makes sense. Yeah. Like given where it started, but well, they're clearly a good target audience for the specific cult. Yeah. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> so another, another person that's in, every documentary about pageants and this is no exception there's always that creepy guy who no matter what he does for a job as long as it's related to pageants he's like every little girl wants to be a princess inside i make dreams come true Uh. it's like no you make tchotchkes motherfucker (laughs) you're just super creepy and in this case it was uh, a jeweler who's such a creep that i don't think they ever say his name no, I don't. I don't believe He's this just is his name. The jeweler. Did they really even show his face for very long? Yeah, because he he had he was the guy who came through with that quote this time. He said, "Every little girl wants to be a queen, and every woman is a dream to be a queen or princess." I'm a dream maker, and those crowns were ugly. Yeah, as they were fuck. so ugly, so ugly. And it, oh my god! But th- that guy. So that guy shows up. Just know if you're into pageant documentaries. That yes, that guy does show up at some point. It's usually either that or the guy, the guy that makes the little girls dresses yeah. on like dance moms and shit. It's like, w- 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 why? What, what made you want to start doing that, dude? Like, <laughs> yeah, like where always the, like, in your lecherous dude? Yeah, where in your career development did you land on little girl dresses? Nothing inherently wrong with it, but but there's something about the way you do it that makes it inherently <laughs> wrong. Yeah, there was uh, there was a a lot of a lot of that in this. So I I think we've covered most of the the really interesting scenes. What was like what was your favorite subplot in this? I like the running theme of all the history behind it and how the development of beauty pageants in Venezuela has kind of been tied to how the government has worked and what the government has done to Kind of use them to their advantage. Yeah, I thought that was super interesting. Um, maybe the 
the the we did, we ha- still haven't talked a lot about the college professor. Yeah, but she was my favorite. Yeah, she was my favorite. Everything in it. Yeah, yeah. She uh she did she looked possibly more defeated than the contestants throughout most of this. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because she would bring up all these problems and then was just kind of like. I don't know what we're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. She knew what all of the problems were and could point all of them out. And yet it was still overwhelmed with what yeah. they were. Yeah. Because this does seem like a thing that isn't going to go away. Yeah. Definitely not. Like she's definitely got an uphill battle yeah. on her hands. So what did you think overall? Did you, would you recommend this? Would you recommend to be a miss? to other people. I would definitely recommend this documentary. I think it's super interesting and brings up so much about body image and uh, how that ties into your government and just like, yeah, just, I don't know. I think it's great. Um, And plus how much research do most people do about Venezuela on a day-to-day basis? I think it's really, I feel like I'm doing a lot these yeah, days, you, but you I'm the are. outlier. You definitely are, but uh, most, maybe listeners are now too. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Starting that trend. Read up on Venezuela, everybody. Yeah, I thought, I, I think this is, this isn't a, a documentary that I think a lot of people just on site would be drawn to. Right. But I think it is something that kind of would appeal to everyone. Yeah. Like if you're a history nerd, then you'll find you'll find the stuff about how pageants started in Venezuela and how they've progressed really interesting. And you know, if you're just into pageants and looking at beautiful women and seeing them suffer horribly, <laughs> Uh, this is definitely this for is you. Definitely the documentary for you. Yep. It's streaming on Netflix right now. Yes, it is. So you can watch it for free, assuming you're stealing someone's Netflix password, <laughs> which aren't we all? Uh, what What are we? Uh, what documentary? People should watch the next documentary. Yeah, yeah. So why don't you tell them a little about what we're talking about next time? Are we doing Heroin Town next? We're time? doing Heroin Town. Okay, so we're doing which is the name of that is where you grew up. <laughs> yep, I'm from Heroin Town. It's great. Uh, well, I'm actually from the neighboring town, which is uh, still like a, a sub Heroin Town. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I lived there for six years. It's about Willimantic, Connecticut. Um, but also if you're, if you're gonna keep up with it, watch the 60 minutes documentary or not documentary, but the 60 minutes about it. I can't remember what it's called, but it comes up in heroin town, a whole bunch, a whole bunch. So watch both. We'll, we'll link to them in the newsletter. Yeah. yeah. Sign up for our newsletter at unpops.com slash news. <laughs> if you want to find those links, do we have anything else? This was fun. Yeah, this was fun. Uh, but I don't have anything. Else. Everyone watch heroin town and the accompanying 60 minutes documentary for the next episode we'll chill till the next episode (laughs) dr dre reference everybody but yeah this was a lot of fun thank you for doing it with me well thank you of course (laughs) this was good times uh do we have anything to plug before we get out of here follow me on the socials mcjess sandwich ah follow me too at adam todd brown why did it go ah (laughs) what was that follow me on the socials also at adam todd brown pretty much everywhere facebook twitter instagram Follow the network, Unpops.podcast on Instagram, at Unpops on Twitter, at Unpops Network on Facebook, and uh, donate to our Patreon. Give us money, and we'll give you podcasts every day, a bunch of them. It's crazy. Almost too many. It's insane. All right. Yeah. Let's get out of here. Jess, say goodbye. Bye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you.